2: And welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely. You're joined by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spradling. Shotgun and I are straight from USC. We got to see USC's Wednesday practice, so we have all the news and notes. We didn't do instant analysis, so this is like a, a duo-type thing. But we have a fun show to talk about. Why? We've seen fall camp. We've seen five practices from the Trojans, so we'll get into that. As Ryan put, fall camp bonanza. Yes. Uh, and then we'll talk about the coaches poll. USC was ranked. And then we'll talk about basketball. Ryan, are you okay I even put that this? in there. That's wow. okay. Five-star commit. I'm really proud of you. You
1: can talk about a five-star commit. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but you can start about a five-star commit. <laughs> I think commit. that's
2: notable <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, As always, if you want to talk to us, call us at 5124TUNNEL. Our intern Micah is standing by. We love hearing from you guys. You can also tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision. You don't have to put our handles at all. Just put hashtag TunnelVision and I'll be able to put it up on the screen. Uh, So be sure to do that. And wherever you're watching, YouTube, Facebook, I believe whatever the Twitter form of Periscope is, uh, we can see your comments and questions and we love hearing from you guys. So be sure to do that. We'll get to your questions halfway through the show. Uh, But guys, like I said, We're officially in real camp, I guess. We're we're officially in real football. I know last time I said it was off season. Now we're in the season.
1: Full on.
2: Five practices in. What do you think?
1: Yeah, full on. It's been crazy. There was one day off on Sunday, but we went Friday, Saturday, and then it's just been, boom, every single day. Um, you know, Keely and Shotgun were out there today. I stayed in the studio, set up the show, and did some other stuff. But we've, you know, we've had five people out there at times uh, from uscfootball.com and the practice field. So we're interviewing everybody we can talk to. We got to talk to a lot of the new players yesterday. We've heard from Clay Helton a couple times, offensive players, defensive players. So we got a pretty good idea of what's going on with this team. You know, they had the spring football. There was a full spring his first time. You know, since 2019, because of the, the pandemic last year. They've had the full-off season. Everyone's talking about the PRPs and the strength and conditioning coach with Bobby Steiner and the boys and how you know much of their bodies have changed. And now you get to see them actually practicing. We got position battles all over the place, who's going to be the backup quarterback. So lots of really interesting storylines. And the fact that we were able to talk to guys like Corey Foreman and Sayer Wright and uh, Kante Ingram, a whole bunch of new guys that we just haven't talked to before. That's been fun too.
0: Yeah, I, I think that we are getting into fall camp. If the, you, if we had any of the defensive coaches on right now, they'd be like, we haven't even started. Doesn't camp count yet. yet. Haven't yeah. started <laughs> camp. Tomorrow will be the first full pads practice. So we'll see how the offensive line, defensive line, the run game, how that kind of progresses. But you know Clay Helton mentioned it today. He said these first practices really give you a good idea of the skill players, uh, give an idea where those guys are because you're basically getting the same type of reps that you are on the outside. Um, now you're not blocking, you know the screen passes, those type of things are a little bit different. But you can tell which wide receivers are standing out. You can tell which DBs are standing out. And the guy that stands out to me, coming off the top of my head of the new guys is Taj Washington. Yeah, The guy has brought some speed. We saw him on kickoff return today and just the burst through the, the line yeah, uh, with a, nice. you know, a small hole. He turns it into a big gain type of thing. And we've seen him get behind the defense a couple times. So seeing him out there, I think he's going to be a big addition for the offense. He's been getting a ton of, of first-team reps so far. So you have him on one side and Drake London on the other side. Could be a dangerous duo, 15-16. The number's there, since Keeley's really struggling with learning all the, the new numbers
2: at
1: USC's so. <laughs> Inside joke there. But yeah.
2: uh, <laughs> I hate you, Shotgun. <laughs> but yes. No, I, I think it's interesting, and we mentioned this on the Family Feud podcast, plug. Uh, Grim Harrell used the word in his uh, press scrum, creative. He was like, these new faces allow us to get more creative with the offense. Shotgun, what does that mean in your mind?
0: It means that there's the potential of trying to exploit mismatches. And I think that one of the things is that in the past you've had now – Tyler Vons versus Michael Pittman versus Amon Ross St. Brown are different types of receivers. However, it's been, we've had two big receivers and we're going to use that, the smaller guy in the middle, as far as Amon Ross St. Brown. And then we're going to use Drake London in that tight end role uh, and split as a split out tight end. And you'll know, be able to, to run him down the middle of the field. Well, now it seems like with the weapons that they have, the different body types, the Malcolm Epps, the Michael trick, you can use those guys in that Drake London uh, uh, type of scenario, or, you know, you can use Drake London there. Yeah. You can move Drake London outside. You can have him inside. He's making a ton of plays, by the way.
1: He's the he's definitely the security blanket. You know, yeah. sometimes at the tight end or something. Like if any of the quarterbacks are like, uh oh, I'm in trouble, where's fifteen? Exactly.
0: That's the first thing you need to learn when you step on campus as a new quarterback <laughs> is okay, in if I get in trouble, where's fifteen? Let me throw it up yeah. that way. Where is he gonna be on this play? Just so I don't even have to look in that direction. I'm just throwing it up blind. He's probably gonna come down with it. Um and you see his importance. He went up and made a catch again over three people yesterday, came down, banged, you know, banged on the ground pretty hard and was, you know, got up a little slow, yeah. gimpy, you know, just, you know, bumps and bruises that you get during practice. And immediately Clay Helton was by his side, like, Hey, and I'm sure the conversation with something like, Hey, Bubba, let's make <laughs> sure we're not getting hurt in practice. We need you. You're too, you're too important to us. Yes. Um, but to see how quickly Clay Helton was beside his, at his side, checking on him tells you the importance of a guy like Drake London. But with him, he can move in and out. You can move Michael Trigg in and out. You can move Epps in and out. You can. We've seen Taj Washington on the outside. We've seen him on the inside. Yeah, Michael Gary Bryant, Like thing. all these guys have the versatility to move inside or outside. So I think that there's the you know a lot of different weapons, and you can do, use them in different ways. More speed, just top in speed now with Gary Bryant. Uh, along with Taj Washington, unfortunately, we've got some news today. Jake Smith, the wide receiver transfer from Texas, sounds like he's going to be out for the season. Uh, we didn't get confirmation from Clay, but Clay said you won't see him out here this year. So that I'm assuming that means that yeah. they were getting a second opinion on a potential surgery on his foot. It sounds like that he's going to have that surgery and it'll be season-ending. Don't have confirmation yet, but that appears the way that's going to be going. But he was another guy that was going to add some speed. But you got Washington, you got Gary Bryant. So you just got some different skill sets that you can add. Now, if they use them in different ways, they rotate them, they can potentially do that, and they can create mismatches with motions or just you know, putting multiple big guys on one side or multiple quick guys on one side. There's different things they can do. Let's see if they actually do that when once they get in game preparation and stuff. We see some of that creativity. That's what, one of the things I'll be looking for that first and second
1: game of the season. The crazy thing is when you look at this wide receiver core and losing guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, losing guys like Tyler Vaughns. your number two guy you think going in the former five Star Brew McCoy, he's uh, he's suspended. He's not around. They haven't recruited the position anywhere near as well as they have in years past. There wasn't like five star guys coming every year. And you look at the, the the receiver room, and it's crazy. Like a Joseph Manjack, a three star out of Texas. You're like, uh oh. I mean, who's he? It's like a throw in recruit. Everyone we talk to is like, hey, who's been impressing you, Joseph Manjack, Manjack, Manjack? Like this name comes up all the time. uh Michael Jackson. Everyone talks about him. You get a transfer like Taj Washington. He's making a name for himself. Like, you know, Epson and, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, Michael Trigg. Like, these guys look like man-shot. I mean, they're just huge dudes out there. You're like, wait, what happened? Like, where did all these guys come from? And uh, it's pretty crazy the way they've been able to put together uh, that receiver room. So, it's uh, there's a lot of good options there. And, of course, you got your stud in uh, Drake London. But uh, it's I think the receiver cor- – I mean – a little worried about that coming into this, and I don't think you would be right now, just watching these guys.
0: I feel like there's a lot of options there for yeah. sure. Um, we'll see the connectivity with the quarterbacks, how quickly they can get you know get down that. And it seems like so far we haven't seen like, hey, receiver running this way, quarterback throwing that way, very often. We've seen a couple. Of those, yeah, there's been a couple, yeah. But I think the the benefit of those player-run practices this yep. summer. Yep. And, you know, the the players, the the quarterbacks we talked to uh, have talked about that. Jacqueline Dart and Miller Moss, we talked to them this week, and they both said, you know, how much those player-run practices helped them, you know, building that rapport with new guys in particular, like Taj Washington and Malcolm Epps and those type of guys.
2: Yeah, I definitely think you could see the difference from spring camp to now in fall camp early on. The the connection that the quarterbacks are having with the wide receivers are so much different just because of that relaxed environment of the player run practices. That's something that both, like you said, Chuck and Jackson Dart and Miller Moss mentioned when we got to talk to them on Wednesday. Uh, no, Tuesday. <laughs> it's fall camp. What Monday. day is it? Yeah. Yes. Like a- uh, but I... Quickly, let's go to the defense. I know, like you said, Shotgun, uh, the defensive coaches probably don't count the, the first couple of practices that USC has had, but anything stand out to you in particular about what you're seeing about the defense?
0: I mean, I don't know about you, Ryan, but the, the first one of the first things that caught my eye again today is Stanley Taofu getting some first-team reps at that nose tackle position. Yeah. He's not a guy that we've talked about. We've talked about those young guys needing to step up. He's a guy that's getting more and more reps. Um, I've One of the things I've noted – And I saw it particularly today was that, you know, we're going to talk about Corey Foreman all season. I think he's going to have an impact. He's going to be a guy who's going to get some opportunities out there. And I think he'll, you know, make some plays. He has been at Vixoto's hip almost like 95% of the time when he is not in a drill. Like he's right there, and Vic has been, you know, explaining things, going over him. Nick Figueroa is, has been a big part of that too, and I think Corey talked about that a little bit yesterday about how Nick Figueroa's kind of been a mentor yeah. to him as well. Um, but they are on top of him at all times to try to, you know, get him caught up because he did miss the spring, uh, didn't get that opportunity to come in early. So they they. They think he's going to be a big time contributor. So they're putting a lot of effort into making sure that he's going to be a guy. And especially we finally saw Drake Jackson today. He's been in, in uh, you know, health and safety protocols. He was able to return a day. It'll be a few days before you can catch up as far as the padded practices and whatnot. He's got to go through the acclimation period, but seeing him back out there is definitely really big as well.
1: Yeah. I think you know, the middle of the defensive uh, line, you know, there were some issues there. We saw a lot of Jamar Sakona there. You'll probably see some Dijon Benton and, you know, they, you would love to see an Ishmael Softshare but just not seeing him uh, really able to do much yet. Um, it's interesting at the linebacker spot because, you know, Salon Tuleal Pupu is not, you know, out there. And uh, Jordan Isefa is not doing anything at all, still recovering. But, you know, guys like Raymond Scott, I think, are using this as an opportunity to make a name for themselves. Yep. And we're seeing Raylan Goforth uh, play well, Kanai Malga? And then the secondary, I don't think you got to worry about. And, you know, Shotgun was teasing Keeley about... Uh, not knowing some of the players' numbers and stuff. Because when you're in the summer, usually you're watching and you get to know everyone's face because no one's wearing jerseys. Then when you start practice again, you got to learn everyone's numbers. A lot of new numbers, a lot of number changes. And I've never seen a secondary this deep. Usually there's like four or five guys I remember, like, wait, there's 14, there's 27, there's 20. There's a whole bunch of dudes in the secondary. Like, man, there's a lot of guys that can play. Uh, One of the guys, 23, uh, Josh Jackson, I got to talk to earlier in the week. Uh, You know, he switched over from the offensive side of the ball. He was getting first-team reps. You know, Isaac Taylor Stewart missed a couple practices because the birth of his uh, first daughter was great, but he's in there with Chris Steele uh, getting first-team reps. And two, three down, the you know, the second, third-team guys, you're like, the third-team guy, he could start. Like, there's a lot of guys. That, it's a very deep secondary. I wouldn't be as worried about that. The, you know, the interior of the line and the linebacker that you got to look at where there's some – bodies missing, but there's some guys, I think, stepping up and playing well.
0: And speaking of the cornerbacks in particular, we've seen them rotate. We've seen Josh Jackson get those first-team reps. We saw Isaac Taylor Stewart, who's you know catching up with the acclimation period. He's you know in, in shells right now with them. It'll take him a couple of days before he gets to full pads, but he's been in there getting first-team reps. We've seen Sierra Wright getting some second-team reps. So you know, We've seen some rotation as far as who's getting those reps, and that's one of the things that I talked to Chris Steele earlier this week, and he said about Dante Williams, is that your spot's never secure. You've yeah. got to go out and earn it every single day. And I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing that. But you talk about the bodies that are with that defensive back group. You look at the safeties, just so they're separated. You have a safeties coach and a cornerbacks coach. And you look at the safeties and you go, that could be the DB group. Right. Yeah, there, there's yeah, exactly. so many of them. It's true. Like they, you're watching
1: the drills, like, wait, is that all of them? Nope, that's just the safety. Yeah, you
0: see the cornerbacks <laughs> are off on another part of the field, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's still another half over there. You know, there is a ton of bodies there. So that competition is going to be, you know, is going to be really tough. But the veteran guys right now are, you know, especially at the safety positions, when you got Isaiah Paul Mao, who's going to be there for sure. He's yeah. a veteran leader. He's, you know, doing everything. We've seen him on the sideline, coaching up some of the younger guys as well. But Chase Williams, Greg Johnson, I think those three guys are going to be your starters. I mean, they you go through drills, and every single drill, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. They're going through it now. Can some of those young guys? Can they work their way into a rotation? Can they just make so many plays that you have to get them out there? That's a possibility. You know, Kalen Bullock is a guy. Unfortunately, he's banged up a little bit right now. It looks like a hip pointer, um, but you know, he's been getting some first-team reps. Greg Johnson missed a day of practice, so he was a little bit behind the acclimation. So, Kalen Bullet got thrown in there at the Nickelbacks. So, you're going to see some of those young guys, they're going to get a couple of opportunities, especially on special teams, and if they continue to, to prove themselves over and over, that's going to be the big thing for them. I think they'll work their way into a rotation as well. A lot of talent in the DB group, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's Dante Williams, it's Craig Niver. They're recruiting, they're great recruiters, and I guess they're getting a few extra numbers. I mean, Covering the Pete Carroll teams, the the, uh, defensive backfield was never this deep. Like, he was always – he had good DBs, but – You know, after the first, you know, three, four guys, you didn't have like, this is huge groups of guys for both, uh, the safeties and the corners.
2: Mm -hmm. Ryan, you alluded to this, but Todd Orlando, uh, basically confirmed on Tuesday, I believe that it is a three man race for that inside linebacker grouping. Uh, Raymond Scott is actually getting a chance to, to see if he can get a starting spot. I mean, what does he present as an inside linebacker?
1: You know, he looks bigger to me. I think he's been helped by, uh, the, you know, the Bobby Steiner and the boys. Thanks. Someone I think commented on Facebook that I was, uh.
2: You've adopted the phrase. I
1: adopted that, or maybe it was on YouTube. Sorry about that. But yeah, I was like, you know, I like, I like shotguns uh, <laughs> phrasing there. But I mean, he's, I think when they're, you know, availability is a very big part of playing football and playing college football. And there's just been some guys that have been more heralded, uh, you know, more stars when they're being recruited. They just not have been available. And I think with Raymond Scott, he moved down from like the safety spot, it sort of was like, okay, you know, we'll see what he can do. And I think he's fully adopted, you know, he's, He's embraced uh, being a part of that competition. And if you're watching practice, you know, we get to see him out there. They keep, you know, switching, you know, their first team, their second team. Um, It's funny, Todd Orlando lines them all up on the side of the field and they kind of do a track start to get onto the field. Uh, And then you're like, oh, Raven Scott's out there again with the first team. And he's just been, I think he's making the most of his opportunities out there. And there's, for Todd Orlando, he's a linebackers coach. That's a position that, especially in the early part of last year, that was underperforming. They just weren't making the kind of plays that the, you know, you had big names out like Paoli, Nolotote, and stuff out there. So I think he's he wants to make sure that that linebacker group plays well because he takes that personally. And uh, if a guy like Raymond Scott's going to be one of the hardest workers out there, I think he's going to get a chance to to show it on the field.
0: Yeah, there's been some talk about how, how much he did in the summer and how that really boosted himself in or boosted him into that competition. Uh, so he's got a great opportunity in there. Go uh, Goforth and Kanai Malga, they've basically been rotating those three guys. How that shakes out, it, I think, will depend on what they're looking for out of that position. And that might be determined by the nose tackle in front of them. Yeah. Because you know if they can play with one nose tackle, that changes what you need from your you know your middle linebackers. If you need to play with two, that change you know so it may be schematically there may be some adjustments made based on what's in front of the linebackers as well. And so you know we're watching that group in, in particular really closely. Unfortunately, Ishmo Sofshir hasn't been able to be a full participant yet. However, you know he he started the first day, did some individual work couple days after that we saw him kind of get back down a little bit he was in flats he was back in Cleats today he did some okay. more individual work so that's a positive sign we're gonna keep an eye on him obviously because he's a guy that we think can jump right in the mix especially with the, you know a ton of young guys that don't have much playing experience uh, it should be an interesting battle throughout camp
2: now dipping into special teams just quickly, shotgun. You made this point earlier. It's interesting. We know who the punter is. We know who the place kicker is, but we don't know who the returners are necessarily yet. Who have we seen back there so far uh, in practice?
0: I mean, Gary Bryant has been a consistent back there. However, he's a little banged up right now with a hamstring issue. Definitely a concern there for me because that's something that cost him part of his spring yeah. time as well. Uh, Clay Helton said today's day to day, and anytime with a speed guy, hamstrings are always a concern. But he's been the you know the the most consistent guy, as far as returner, you've seen Taj Washington, Keontae Ingram, um, you know, Katie Nixon. So it's interesting they've, they've you know mix and match both just pure speed guys yeah. like Taj Washington and Gary Bryant, as well as guys that can make the first guy miss. So I don't know if if they're going to do a combination of those. You know, if you want a running back that can potentially block in front of a speed guy. I'm not exactly sure, but I, we're still seeing you know four or five guys in the mix right now, so I don't think that battle is really uh, finished or anything yet either. Yeah, mm-hmm. you see
1: some Michael Jackson, we've seen mm-hmm. some Sierra Wright back there, and you know I, Michael Jackson's been like he's been kind of an up guy for Taj Washington at times for like for some of the kickoff return stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean I, there's a lot of options there, but it's been like kind of the Gary Bryant show when he's. When he's healthy, he's been the, the, the number one guy, it looks like.
2: Mm-hmm. Already, we actually have a couple callers on the line asking questions about fall camp, so I'm going to get to them. First one is our buddy Dave from Iowa. Hello, you are live on Tunnel Vision.
1: Hi, Tunnel Vision. Thank you for taking my call.
0: Uh, I just wanted to talk about Corey Foreman. Uh, after, Monday, after Monday's instant analysis, I kind of got worried after uh, hearing that Corey Foreman got put on his butt a couple times considering it's our offensive line and not, say, Notre Dame or Utah's. So my question is, how confident are you guys in Vic Solota or or the defensive line coach? My apologies. I didn't want to butcher his last name. But how confident are you in the defensive line coach of getting Corey Foreman ready for the offensive lines of Utah and Notre Dame, teams that pride themselves on the line of scrimmage? Love to hear your thoughts.
1: Thanks, Dave. And you've his name right, Vic Soto. Yep. Yep. Uh, very good. I know if, if USC people were kind of getting it wrong uh, when we, he first uh, was hired in there. But I wouldn't be that concerned. If you look at Corey Foreman, he's not the biggest dude in the world. And he's just got to, you know, he's wasn't a spring guy. He didn't get to go through a lot of that stuff. Um, I, if, you'd, if your third day of practice in college and you weren't put on your butt by an offensive lineman, I'd be worried about the offensive line more than anything.
0: And I think that's kind of what he's saying is that this isn't you know the USC offense line is known for that. But these both times that he was, uh, you know, was not backed like that were from pulling guards from the opposite side, um which is tells me he's trying to process everything. So he's looking. he's trying to read everything, doesn't see the blind side block coming. Um, I think that's a feel thing that you get more and more as you get more comfortable. So I think that's what it is. I, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get used to the college speed, and that's one of the things that he did mention in his conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, Keely was in that interview, so she can elaborate a little bit afterwards. But I, I think it's just going to take him a little bit of time to, to get used to the speed of the game and get, get comfortable making fun of him for that. <laughs> and he's going to be telling him, you can't let, be letting that happen, and going to be on, riding on him to, to you know push him to get better. So I think that he's only going to progress from it, and I think the fact that like I said today, just watching and you know every time I looked over at the defensive line, if Corey wasn't in the middle of a drill, he was right beside Vic Soto he was basically on his hip, and Vic was often explaining things you know, seeing the hand movements and stuff uh, so I think that he's showing that he wants to get better and that type of thing is is a good motivator, I think, early. So it's never—I don't think it's ever bad for a really highly ranked freshman to get humbled a little bit early, and then start to see a little bit of success. So we'll see if he starts having that in the one-on-one drills. He's still, you know, ripping by some of the offensive linemen and stuff. He doesn't look like a true freshman when it comes to those type of one-on-one drills. Yeah. But when you get in the full team setting and you're trying to read everything—the running back, the quarterback—you know—is it a handoff? Is it a pass? Do I need to get in the passing? All those type things. That's when you know, you don't see that offensive lineman coming from the other side and you get knocked backwards.
2: Mm-hmm. He's also been working one-on-one after practice with Big Soto, so, so mm-hmm. getting that extra work in. But as you mentioned, Shotgun, in his you know first media presser as a Trojan, he basically, the main takeaway was, hey, I'm just still a freshman. I'm a fall enrollee trying to get the handle of the college ball uh, speed of the game. And he mentioned this, and we heard this from co- a couple of the other freshmen as well, but he didn't play a senior season. He has, hasn't played football in basically a year and a half. And that's something that I think also applies to the backup quarterback race with Jackson Dart and Miller Moss. He was saying, and I didn't even prepare myself enough coming into spring of how much not having a senior season would impact me in spring camp. And if you remember, Jackson Dart had an electric senior season, so he kind of rode that momentum into USC spring camp. So I think it's one of those things that we have to kind of acknowledge that for these incoming freshmen, those who didn't have a senior season, they got to shake off the rust a little bit. They haven't played in a bit, and they're kind of getting used to not only playing football again, but college speed as well. 100%.
1: 100%. And I think that's something that's going to be, you just forget. They're like, you know, okay, USC played six games or five games or whatever, and, you know, some of these other teams. But for the high school players who are in California, they didn't play at all. And we, you know, a perfect example. Most is, of them did. Most of them. Some but,
0: of them, like Ray John Rayjean Davis and, and Sierra Wright, did get a couple of games in. So I think those guys, I think we've seen them actually a little bit ahead. And I think that's really just kind of shows you the separation for the guys who didn't get
1: any time. Yeah, but like for Miller Moss, he transfers high schools, goes mm-hmm. to modern day trying to play and he doesn't get to play. And Jackson Dart, like Keely mentioned, I mean, he had a you know, gangbuster spring, Gatorade player of the year, all this stuff. And he, I thought he built on that momentum and was yeah. able to capitalize in the spring. But if you want to be fair, I think Miller Moss has outplayed him in the fall. And that's given, you know, he hadn't played in like a year and a half. And, you know, throwing with your quarterback coach a couple of t- days a week is not a, a replacement for getting out there and putting pads on and uh, having defenders in your, your receiver's faces and things like that. So he's worked, you know, Miller Moss worked through the PRPs over the summer, got some better chemistry with some of these guys, and I feel like caught up to uh, Jackson Dart and his, you know, I think uh, if you check out RJ Abedi, he's been doing some great work on the quarterback stuff uh, up on uscfootball.com, but Miller Moss was kind of known as the accurate guy. Now he's throwing the ball down the field more. He seems to be more confident – and it's just getting more reps and, you know, all those high school players that didn't get a chance to play, I think this is, a you know, an opportunity. If you played in the spring, over the summer, and now in the fall, at least you're getting some, your but, you know, under you.
0: Yeah, so that's definitely something to note with Corey Foreman. It's... Been almost two years since he's played in a a real game. Now he he did some you know some club team stuff where they did have some padded games and stuff, not the same level of competition. It was a Corona Centennial versus modern day matchup or anything where you're going up against some offensive linemen that are gonna be D1 guys as well. So it's gonna take him a little bit of time. But I think exactly what you said with Miller Moss, I think the confidence is there. I, I think that he said that he didn't expect to be, you know, to have as much rust basically when he got to there in the spring. I think that hurt his confidence a little bit. Yeah. I think it took him a little Time and then Graham Harrell said that you know he challenged Miller Moss to don't always check it down. You know, be willing to take a shot every once in a while. Take take some more shots and be willing to that. Now Miller said he doesn't walk up the line and be like, I got to take a shot this time. But he he's you know trying to push the ball down the field more. And I think we've seen that from all the quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, Slovis is pushing the ball down the field. Drake London's making a number of catches. Taj Washington, you know, just getting some guys down the field and you know testing those DBs. So I, I think that. You know, if that continues to be the case and that follows through in the game plans, I think that's going to push those safeties back. Especially if you get a guy like Taj Washington that hits one or two of those. I mean, he had a 92 yard catch against a top 10 team in Cincinnati last year. He had three 100 yard games. All three of them were the best three opponents that they played um, at Memphis. That's why he was he had the most receiving yards of any freshman in the nation. Um, so this is a dude that can play, yeah. and he's showing it already. And if you if he hits one of those early. Even if it, you know, if it's in the San Jose State game, he hits one of those. That's on tape for the next three opponents. The safeties now are playing a yard back, a two yards back, just to make sure we don't get beat over the top. Yeah. Let's make them make five or six passes rather than one big Taj Washington play, and that's going to open up that underneath stuff a little bit more as well. It's something that I think that they should have been implemented a little bit more in the offense in the past couple of years. But I think with Taj Washington and if Gary Bryant gets healthy, they can really do that. Yeah.
2: Let's go to our next caller on the line. It's Brandon from Minnesota. Hello, you are live on television. Hey guys, uh, how are you guys doing today? Good.
0: Good. Uh, so I do have two questions here, but uh, uh, one's for shotgun about uh, basketball. So uh, first one is out of the freshmen on both offense and defense, who's been the most impressive? And for basketball, uh, why do you think they're not talking about? Um, uh, dang it! I just Evan Mobley, sorry, uh, Evan Mobley, uh, they're talking about Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham more than him. Do you think they're underrating him? Yeah, I, I definitely think Evan Mobley is a little bit underrated because he's a big, so you know he's not going to make the same type of highlight plays that Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham with, with the dunks and stuff, uh, but he's going to throw some dunks down like he did on Oregon in the in the Sweet 16. Um, he's just, he's he does so many things well that, it doesn't all get noticed, I think. So, you know, when you fill up the stat line really well across the board, but you don't have, you know, 50 points, but you put 25 points up, you put 12 rebounds, you have three or four blocks, he's going to just fill so many things. And partly it's also that he's playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers in its summer league. So, yeah, you know, take take it with a grain of salt. If he comes out during the regular season and he's, you know, dominating for the Cavs and the Cavs are playing pretty decent – I think you're gonna see he'll start getting a little bit more hype there too. Yeah. I'll let you take the, the offense defense.
1: Yeah, so it's tough. So there's newcomers, there you know, there's a lot of impressive people, but if you're talking just like I mean, you could say true freshman, you could say fall freshman. Um I mean, the one on the offensive side, his name comes up a ton is Joseph Manjak, I mentioned before. Like everyone keeps talking about him. Um, he just looks really good out there, and just like he's he's able to get separation. He just seems to be open all the time. He's able to make tough catches. I've uh, just been really kind of impressed uh, with what he's able to do on the defensive side. I mean, as far as standouts early, like I like what I've seen from say you're right, you know, just playing uh, the cornerback spot. I think uh, Rajon Davis. He's been he's been good. I mean, Corey Foreman's probably going to be the guy, but you know, it's it's hard to do for a defensive lineman until you kind of put pads on, but.
0: I mean, yeah. the, the, the freshman, not necessarily just the fall freshman, but Kalen Bullock is the guy that a lot of people are talking about, just his versatility. Mm-hmm. He's put on some weight. He's still going to add some more weight. He's super, super skinny still. Um, but he's a guy that, because of his versatility in that defensive backfield, he can play different positions. He may find himself on, on the field even sooner because of that. Jalen Smith as well, who's been working with the safeties, yeah. is super twitchy is the way that Chris Steele described him to me. So he's a guy that – I, I love his competitive fire. He got beat a tight end, just a, a throw where he's not going to get to, and the tight end was able to go up and get it, and the tight end tried, tried to shake his hand afterwards. He's like, no, get away from me. <laughs> i not having any of it. Uh, fired up, ready to go.
1: I think he's done some returns too, right? I think he did a little bit.
0: I don't, don't know if I've seen him Maybe back there. Or Maybe not. Okay. Um, but it, on the uh, another guy that is not going to be talked about much, I don't know if he's going to get much playing time this year, but a guy that is farther, much further along than I was anticipating, Colin Mobley, oh. the, the yeah. defensive lineman, yeah. is making some plays. Um, and he's a guy that I thought would be at least a year down the road before he even would even be considered in the mix. But keep an eye on him. We'll see how he progresses. Some guys can make a couple plays early, and then you know the offensive line catches up or whatever it may be. Uh, and then one other guy I wanted to mention was Michael Trigg on the offensive side. Um, he's a big dude. He's going to have to play tight end for me, uh, him and Epps both. I don't see them as being able to just be a full-time wide receiver, which is – there was some talk about that. I know Trick played wide receiver in high school. Um, as far as they don't have the same fluidity that Drake London has. So I, that's who I'm comparing them to, and that's a very yeah. high uh, you know, comparison. They don't have that same fluidity. But Michael Trigg has gone up over multiple defenders – you know, pretty much at least once, one a day, where he goes up over a defender and makes a, a, a contested catch. He had one a day and a one on one over Chase Williams. Terrific defense by Chase Williams. Chase Williams had his hand right in his face to try to block him from being able to see, but Trigg was just—he was just able to jump up higher than, than Chase Williams could get. So that's the type of plays we're seeing from him. So he could be a guy that could earn some play, early playing time too.
1: What do you think, Keely? Anyone? I mean,
2: Shotgun ran through a whole gamut of freshmen there. <laughs> Four. Okay. <laughs> he got himself right there. Yeah, I would say Manjack, but I've had Manjack stock for a while after seeing his, his tape on signing day. And then yeah, I think Colin Mobley is someone who surprised me. I think that's a guy who I thought would need to be developed a little bit. Or at least his body looks ready like he could mm. play. So that's something that surprised me. But I mean if we if I want to count Tosh Washington, I don't know if that counts. He's a newcomer. I'm gonna to count Tosh Washington, yeah, though. You that's, that's a guy who's gonna have an impact, you can just tell already. So yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. So thanks, Brandon, for the call. We appreciate it. Guys, any uh, fall camp initial thoughts before we jump into some questions? <sighs>
1: I mean the depth around this team. I was doing some preview, excuse me, previews for our Pac-12 podcast, the Podcast of Champions, for the Pac-12 North, and most teams have like eight returners on offense and and ten on defense. I mean, there's a lot of guys with returning because you have super seniors and all this kind of stuff. This is really a deep squad. There is a lot of bodies, a lot of uh, highly ranked recruits that are on the field for USC, and there's. There's some thinner spots like the defensive tackle, and then Clay Hilton mentioned that in like the very first practice. But it just looks like a much deeper group now. There's some guys that you, you don't want to get hurt because you know a Keaton Slovis or a, a Drake London. I mean, guys like that are just going to be so important to the overall you know the squad. But a lot more depth than we've seen at a lot of positions. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunities there, even if there's a, a rash of injuries, as long as it's not you know a couple in the same spot. Uh, USC should be okay.
0: Uh, the the thing that stood out m- maybe more than anything is one getting to see the players up close again. But seeing the families there yesterday, yeah. you know, getting, them getting to see their uh, their kids out there playing uh, is is a special treat because they haven't got to see them for a year and a half. Any of the guys, you know, at USC at least, the high schoolers coming in, you know, the parents were able to see, but you know, no one's been able to see their their, their son playing out there. So I think it was great to, for them to be able to come back and be able to enjoy practice yesterday as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I know we were watching for the physicality. Of course, we haven't seen full pads yet, so how much can you really answer this? But I feel like it's been feistier than I I would have imagined. Just just for the fact that we saw three fights when there were no pads out there. Right. How are you taking the, the physicality? Because I know that was a question that we had coming out of spring camp where we saw a difference. But now it seems like at least a carrying over a little bit in fall.
1: Yeah, Shotgun asked uh, Clay Helton. I don't know if he quite understood the question like in the first day about, uh, you know, mixing things up. Like some of the things they would do that Oklahoma type of drill in the beginning of practice. We haven't seen that. Uh, Yet they've done some weird stuff. Yesterday, they had like offensive players doing tackling drills and, you know, they kind of mix things up a little bit. But first, you know, first day in full pads tomorrow. Do they start off with that drill? Do they start off with a bunch of people trying to tackle each other? Um, That would be, you know, curious for me to see. But it's, it's hard to say. We just haven't seen, you know, there's going to be limitations on how many, I think there's eight or nine full pads practices or whatever. Um, I want to see a lot of physicality in those, and we'll start with tomorrow and see if that happens.
0: Yeah, I don't know if we can say anything about the physicality necessarily. I, I do think the offensive line is probably a step forward from where it was, just as far as they're opening up some holes on, on the you know for the run game. Now, wait till they get full pads on before we can tell. You know, when defensive linemen are trying to cut through, and you know, because everyone's trying to stay up right now, we'll see if it's any different uh, tomorrow and in, in the days going forward. But. More than physicality, I think what we've seen is competitiveness, and I think that's where that feistiness is coming out. Ty Buchanan, the, the freshman <laughs> uh, um, offensive lineman from Texas, t- two plays in a row today, got into not quite skirmishes, but had to be separated for from some people. Um, he put... I don't even remember which walk-on it was, but there was a walk-on where he basically shoved him into the ground and then basically walked over him, <laughs> and that started a back and forth a little bit, but yeah. showing some uh, some competitive fire, and if your freshmen come in and do that, and like I said, freshmen are going to get put in their place a little bit, kind of like Corey Foreman did, Ty Buchanan I'm sure has been put in his place in some of those one-on-one drills and whatnot, but to respond and show that feist is back i think it is, is showing the competitive spirit of this team right now
2: mm-hmm, for sure before we jump into questions just a quick injury update we got to talk to clay helton today so that's more official than what we've been uh, at least seeing uh, he said that gary bryant jr and darwin barlow are day-to-day due to hamstring issues uh keontae ingram the running back has a bit of an ankle issue uh so and and we talked to ingram yesterday he said it was a bit of a scare on that play but he's doing well but he wasn't a full participant today he was pretty
1: limpy after that play but yes, he looked he fine was. afterwards yeah. he was
2: but he was limited today and then malcolm epps develops a slight turf toe during wednesday's practice now my question is hamstring issues an ankle issue on a running back and turf toe i feel like those are all issues that can linger and have the possibility to kind of bleed into the regular season is there any concern at this point from you guys about the injuries to key guys i mean the
0: big thing is Gary Bryant's hamstring because you want him to be a speed weapon to be used in the return game. So make sure you get that taken care of. And then Keontae Ingram, I think the way he was walking after practice yesterday, that he could have gone today. You know, if they were playing today, he'd been fine. Um, but knowing that there's a, a full pad practice, probably were like, hey, let's let's be easy on it today and let's try to get you back full strength tomorrow. So we'll see where he's at there. Uh, we have been missing a couple of players Mananoa Tufono, Clay Hilton said, you know, he's home with his family in Hawaii for some personal uh, reasons. Oh. Um, uh, Elijah Winston, we haven't seen him much. We didn't see Casey Collier today. So actually, uh, Mason Murphy, the true freshman, got some second team reps at left tackle as well. And that, that left tackle position is one to watch for sure. Clay Hilton talked a little bit about it today, just the competition between Cortland Ford. Jonah Monheim, and he threw in Jalen McKenzie as well, saying that you know all three of those guys are getting some opportunities, and we'll see where that that kind of plays out. He gave a lot of love to Jonah Monheim yeah. for what he's done in the offseason and taking a big step forward, but he also gave some love to Jalen McKenzie and said Clay McGuire has really done some nice things as far as cleaning up his technique, uh, his fundamentals and technique at the tackle position, so we'll see if you know the veteran having the experience helps him in that competition as well.
2: Chuck, hmm. and are you surprised at all that Jonah Monheim has kind of, like, his stock has risen as far As left tackle, he did get left tackle first-team reps today. I mean,
0: I will say, coming out of high school, I thought he was an interior guy and would just be a mauler in there. I'm a little bit surprised that he's been so good at the tackle spot. I didn't know if he would be long enough, but he has been really impressive when he's been in there. And he's another guy that has that tenacity that you know can be can be pretty nasty out there, uh, you know, in the trenches and whatnot. So I'm not surprised that he is is where he's at now, as far as competing for an, uh, a starting spot, I am a little bit surprised that it's at left tackle, at least yeah. coming out of high school, you know what, what I'd seen of him in high school. But from what we saw in the spring, you know when, when they put him out there, I said, okay, this looks like it could work for for him as well. So uh, not surprised necessarily in, in that regard, but definitely from high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: thought Andrew Voorhees might get some run out there, but this, I have really seen that seen
0: We saw him taking some left tackle reps today in one-on-ones. Now, I don't know exactly why they were doing that. There has been a lot of mixing and matching with the offensive yeah. line. We talked about an on instant analysis uh, the last few days, but they've done some, you know, we've seen Cortland Ford, Jonah Monheim flipping back and forth between first team left tackle, second team right tackle. Talked a little bit about Collier and Murphy stepping in for him today. Uh, but we also saw the last couple of days we've seen, the first team left side matched up with the second team right side, and then vice versa mm-hmm. with the next group of, of people. So you're seeing the mix and the match in there. So they're trying to find out, you know, Clay Helton talked about it today. We got to find the best five, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's, it's the same refrain that right, any, right, right. any coach is going to give you, any offensive line coach is going to give you. But it's interesting that they're looking not only at the individual. All right, who's the best five just individually? But who's the best pairings that work together? And then you got to put it together, and who's the best five that work together really well? Because yeah. you, you feel like Brett mm-hmm. Neilan is entrenched at the center position. He does a really good call, good, good job with all the calls and everything, and they're trusting him to do that now can they find the two you know the two couples on the outsides yeah. that will work best with Brett and Elon to give USC a, a strong offensive line mm-hmm.
1: it's like a couple dance partners out there they yeah. got to find who works <laughs> best together
0: Be- because that's the thing the guard and tackle that's where your most communication the the center is going to try to call out everything he can call out every blitzer but the guard and tackle have to communicate the most as far as the edge rushers Who's going to, you know, does the tackle jump out to get an edge rusher? If he does, then that means the guard has to slide over. And, you know, there's a lot of communication between the guy beside you and the center, you know, is talking to everyone. But particularly on the outside, that's who you're you're dancing with the most. Uh, So you need to know what move they're doing so that, you know, you're not running into each other type of thing. Uh, And one thing I thought was interesting today, I asked Clay Helton, you know, how are you going to determine the left tackle? You know, what are you looking for? And the first thing he said is pass protection. Hmm. Pass protection and keeping Keaton Slovis upright. Yeah. So those are the you know, obviously that's important in the pass protection. Uh, but he knows the importance, they know the importance of Keaton Slovis, what he means to the team, and the fact that the fact that he pointed that out when, you know, Keaton Slovis' last two seasons have been marred by you know, arm issues from injuries he sustained. He ended his freshman season with an arm injury. And then last year, he just wasn't the same guy uh, because he was dealing with some arm issues. And then it got psychological for him as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Keaton Slovis, I believe we have a question about him on Facebook. Eric says, how does Keaton Slovis' arm look?
1: Much I mean, I you're not out there watching him throw and go, hmm, that's kind of curious. Why is that ball wobbly? I mean, he's... He seems a lot more confident. He's hucking the ball uh, down the field. He's finding different receivers. Um, he looks like 2019. lowest to me. I don't know if you guys feel any different.
2: It's not one of those things where you're kind of like, ooh, or you're, you're wondering yeah. what just happened. Because that was kind of the, what we were left with in 2020 of like, what are we seeing right now? You're not, you're not having that question mark pop up in your head.
1: We didn't get to see practice last year, right? So yeah. we couldn't t- tell what was going on. But if – I mean, he could get to the games and maybe it's the same thing and that there'd be probably a different issue altogether. But what we've seen in practice is not like what we've seen in games uh, in 2020. Mm-hmm.
0: And even in the spring, there were a couple throws where you just went, oh, that's not a very good throw. We haven't really seen those at all. Yeah. Um, he threaded the needle on a nice throw uh, in between two DBs yesterday. He had one over the middle, uh, hitting a tight end or you know off the hand of Michael Trigg, was perfectly placed. Only Michael Trigg is going to catch it today uh, you know, on a, on a throw in a team period. I think it was, or maybe it was seven on seven. But we're seeing throws where they catch your eye in a positive manner. <clears throat> Rather than throws where you go, mm, that didn't look right. What happened there? Did you know when you go, oh, did they get pressure? Did it slip out of his hand? We haven't seen any of those type of things. There were a couple throws in the spring where it was like that, has not been the case in the fall.
2: Yeah, Mark Watkins wanted to know is the velocity fully, fully back and is he throwing consistent spirals again?
0: Honestly, I haven't noted anything not being a spiral. Yeah. Off the top of my head. Now, I haven't paid attention to every throw he's made or anything, but just you know, with the question being thrown out there, I don't think I've noted it at all. So I I think that's a positive sign. The velocity, the ability to push the ball down the field is there. I don't know about just miles per hour necessarily on it, and I think that goes back to throwing a pretty consistent spiral. The ball is getting where he wants it to go.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, We got a question from Josser Smith who says, Can you give us some insights on the new wide receiver commit Caleb Douglas?
0: Three-star commit from, you know, former Baylor, uh, a Baylor decommit from Texas, another Texas kid. USC is recruiting much better in Texas than they are locally at certain positions, and wide receiver is one of them. Um, you know, they missed out on Makai Lemon, who just committed to Oklahoma 2023, elite talent. Uh, C.J. Williams from modern day, very similar to Brew McCoy or Michael Pittman style, Kyle Ford commits to Notre Dame over the weekend. USC does pick up the commitment from Caleb Douglas. He's lengthy. You know, he, he's, you know, some people have compared him to Tyler Vaughn's, you know, like a lesser version of Tyler Vaughn's, not the five-star version, but, you know, a little bit lesser version of how he, he can torch his body, can really can really go up and get the ball in different uh, situations. But, uh, you know, just a guy that the USC is recruiting much better in Texas right now, and they went and got a, got a receiver there after losing a couple of potential options uh, locally.
1: Yeah.
2: I got a question from Mike on Facebook who says, Are there any alignment that have stood out to you?
1: I think John Monheim's had a, a really good camp um, so far. I mean, I th- you probably don't, you mentioned Brett Neilan? like he's just going to be the consistent player out there. I think he's been good. I mean, I like what I've seen from. Cortland Ford, uh, I, mean, I think the starter guys have been have played pretty well, like you know Andrew Voorhees, guys like that.
2: I think it's been notable that Justin Dietrich has been getting second-team guard reps. Um, I believe Chris Chavino said that – Clay McGuire said that he's the most valuable guy, uh, most valuable lineman that they have, and I think just because of his versatility. So I think that has been notable because I don't think Dietrich has really gotten uh, for sure guard reps, uh, except for that part in spring until Andrew Millick went down with that knee injury, but – it just seems interesting that that's a guy who they're really trying to see where he fits specifically.
0: Yeah, he's getting no backup center reps. Like that was the thing is before he was the backup center first and then hey, maybe we can use him at guard. Now yeah. it's he's a backup guard, you know, and he's going to fight for one of those positions and then if we need him, we could throw him in at center. We I, I think they have enough confidence in him that he could step right in the center and they wouldn't have any issue I think he's still the number 2 center. Uh, if they went to a game and Brett Nealon was injured, the guy that stood out to me. I was going to say D Ditch as well has had some really nice reps. Also uh, Andrew Andrew Voorhees, uh, you know, is yeah. a veteran guy. No one talks about him. You know, he was bad mouthed early in his career by USC fans. He has a true freshman coming in and playing, and you know, being thrown in the mix because of some injuries. But he is a veteran guy. He was really good in the spring game and it threw him in some at left tackle at times. He's, he can do some different things for you, and I think he's been pretty consistent and solid for you as an inside interior guy at the guard position. I think that because of how consistent he's been, it allows you to rotate those other guys over there you know to try to figure out what that left tackle position is going to be and to even have the option of putting a young guy out there because you trust him beside them to you know to kind of you know balance it out a little bit.
2: kind of touched on this a little bit already, but gorilla wanted to know uh, any standouts on the interior defensive line.
0: Uh, Stanley Tua- Taofu, Atau- you know, getting opportunities, but Shamar Sakona, you know, breaking through the line and getting some tackle for losses a couple times. And Colin Mobley, like I talked about, is is a guy that stood out for his size and he's made a couple of plays. Now, I don't know that he's ready to jump into the starting mix or anything like that, but, uh, you know, just a guy to keep an eye on and see if he can continue it through the fall camp.
2: Dejon Benton is a guy who I keep just randomly in practice putting his name down, like, oh, that was a good play. That was a good play. And that's kind of how it starts. They start to get more consistent in that sense. So that's a a name that I'm watching for throughout practice.
0: One on ones, he's been really tearing it up. Uh, You know, it's hard for us to see one on ones and, you know, get a full track and, you know, be able to chart and say, oh, this guy's winning 60% of his reps or anything. But Dejon Benton's a guy where every time you look up, because we're watching seven on seven at the same time, (laughs) you look up and you go, oh, Dejon Benton won a rep. You yeah. go back to looking at something, well, Jay i Benton been one another rep up there. So, you know, he's a guy that that keeps popping up up, up there. We'll see if he can defend against the run as well. That's another thing because he's a smaller uh, defensive lineman. So, you know, he's got to do both of those things.
1: Mm-hmm. I would think at the end of the year, you're going to look back at the stat sheet and you're go, wow, Nick Figueroa has got a lot of yeah. a lot of stats there. I mean, he's just going to be someone I think is going to be a very highly productive player for USC. Uh,
2: Michael on Facebook wanted to know who was the second string quarterback today, Moss or Dart?
0: They've been rotating. Yeah. Um, I would say Miller Moss has probably gotten more reps at second string, but do you really make anything of that when they're not in pads? Yeah, when they weren't even the shoulder pads Dart, the first day. Dart
1: had more yesterday, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah, it's, it's just back and forth. Uh, it's really this is how it goes. You know, you go seven on seven. Keaton Slovis goes. One of the backups goes. Keaton, Keaton Slovis goes. goes. <laughs> the other backup goes. Yeah. And that's basically been the whole rotation. They're getting pretty much equal reps, and then Keaton Slovis is getting twice as many.
1: Yeah, and and Dart obviously got a lot of press in the spring. He was really impressive, um, but I mean, I think Moss has probably outplayed him through the first five practices uh, of of the fall. You don't want to read too. I mean, it's still early. They're both freshmen, yeah. Yeah. but I know everyone was like anointing Dart as like the second coming, and uh, but Moss has outplayed him. You know, and you know the the last few practices. So we'll sh- it's going to be an ongoing battle. Um, you know, to see you know, who goes there. And uh, it could be very important because like Shotgun mentioned, we've seen the starting quarterbacks for USC the last couple of years uh, go down with injury. So uh, they one of those two has got to be ready and we'll see, uh, you know, who emerges. But they, you know, they've both had uh, some some really great plays. They've had some plays they would like to, to you know, take back. But um, I, it was good for to see Miller Moss bounce back after yeah. sort of like, you know, a lot of the fans were getting on him in the spring. They just were annoyed to dart like, he should start, not even, like, win the backup spot. And, uh, you know, Moss has played better than him so far in the fall.
0: Yeah, it's just been a couple practices, but, yeah, in the spring, people were like, is Miller Moss going to transfer? Yeah. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> calm down. Yeah, <laughs> It's a spring ball and freshman in – any any freshman's first camp it's going to take them yeah. a little bit of time. And he hadn't played in a year yeah, and a yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't Ricky Town in it, so you know, let's calm down with, with asking if he's going to transfer. Made it a
2: verb.
1: It's it for Ricky wherever you are, that, Ricky. That's Sorry. when
0: you get transfer. You know, when immediate transfer. But no, Moss is going to be in the competition. And I think Darter's is going to bounce back, and you know, I, I think it's going to be a fun competition back and forth. And I'm curious what they're going to do with the first. You know, first uh, depth chart that they put out, and then the second depth chart, Four. the third. Is it? Yeah. See, so I said that yesterday, and Keith was <laughs> like they won't do that. I was like,
2: w- I didn't say they 100% won't do that. They're going to do that. I did not say they won't do that. I was just saying you you phrased it as chickened out, and I didn't want to like, <laughs> <laughs> phrase it that way. So That's... we won't
1: get the depth chart until the week before yeah. the San Jose State game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I. How much the money do you want to put down that there's an oar? Before. Like, I, you know, we we'll, we will anoint one or the other as the backup quarterback. We will do that for you, but I don't think USC will do that for us. <laughs>
2: That's essentially what Shotgun said on instant yeah. analysis. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see. Uh, we got a question from Mark on YouTube who said, "Is Solomon Tulipu practicing fully, or is is he still limited?"
0: He's still limited. He is in you know in pads and is going through the whole acclimation just like the rest of the team. He's in cleats. He's doing some running and stuff, but he's not in. He's doing some individual work. And the individual position drills, but not in the team portions yet.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a question or statement from Blackie Chan Plays who said, Can we give a shout-out to all the Trojans that represented in the Olympics bringing home 21 total medals and 11 gold?
1: Hail, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of slow. Like, it took a while to get that first gold and, they, you know, the streak, I guess, from 1912. But... Sort of even like the American medal count, it was you know behind some of the other countries like China and, and Japan the for US a while.
0: Got a, U.S. favorites won a lot, won a lot of silvers instead of gold. So yeah, like early
1: on, like some of the track stuff, but then like especially when the team portion things team were portion. coming out, it was like water boom.
2: polo, volleyball, beach yeah, volleyball, like winning all of those things. So yeah, yes. so
1: and a lot of Trojans. You know, the the women's water polo team had you know like Ford. four Trojans on it. You know, April Ross. Um, you know, there was just a lot of. uh a lot of USC people out there winning medals. And for the United States, you know, winning what 128 medals or something, like all that team stuff at the end, they just seem I mean, to dominate. Probably
0: the craziest thing is that back-to-back nights, a former USC Trojan ran the 400 meters and set the world re- – or broke the world record and came in second. Yeah. You know, both Ryan <laughs> Benjamin and I think Dalai Muhammad, uh, you know, both. But, you know, tremendous races there. It was, it was really fun to watch. I love watching the Olympics, especially when it's – in the time, the time zone that the Tokyo's in, so I can just stay up all night and watch all Which live is events. Perfect for
1: you, yeah. <laughs> perfect really
0: for is. me, except for you know actually producing content. Sorry, guys, um, <laughs> oh, but no, it was terrific watching all those. And someone else asked the question, "What was your favorite event to watch during the Olympics?"
2: Yeah, Mark Watkins asked that.
1: Oh, you know, I didn't watch a ton. Uh, Brian, you oh,
0: can't stay up late. He's uh, late. It
1: wasn't just that. I, just, I don't. I don't like the pre-packaged like, uh, hey, this happened last night stuff. That's and why you gotta it. watch
2: it live. I know. I
1: started to do more of that. You know, okay. Some of the women's weightlifting stuff was insane. Like, <laughs> I want my cousin's. Like, she does a lot of CrossFit stuff. So we started. We watched like the heavyweight stuff. Man, it was crazy. There was like Chinese woman that was just crushing everybody. You're like, oh my god. Like seeing them do the snatches and all. Was, wow, that was nuts. <laughs>
0: I mean, I watch way too many random events. I watch
2: so many random events. From the
0: speed (laughs) walking to table tennis to, you know, the different types of diving, the artistic swimming. Yeah. (laughs) I watched rhythmic gymnastics, you know, watching the ribbons.
1: Oh, I I don't watch any of that (laughs) stuff. David Woods asked me on the podcast of champions today, like, if you had, like, you had to do a sport, like, what, like, right now, like if you were the throne you have to be an Olympian, you had to pick a sport, like what would you uh, do? And he's like, you know, cause I played a lot of volleyball and I, you know, I played this morning actually. And it was like, I think that's what I would have to do, like, on the men's team. Like, I would get – like, I couldn't hit a ball. They would just block everything. I would have to be, like, a libero <laughs> that maybe I could dig a ball every once in a while. Like, I don't know. But he was like, oh, I could do table tennis. I'm like, do you see how fast those no. guys are? Like, There's no way. I don't and care. the
2: way they serve,
1: it's uh, crazy. It's but, like, what – The stance what, is the best Is there part? Best part? something that you I'm could saying. do? Like, I, I would probably have to be a libero on the men's team and just get
2: – Trashed. You know, <laughs> yeah, just get,
1: you know, face you – know, yeah. six-packed all the time. But, yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: badminton was awesome. Both the stances in table tennis and badminton, and the pre you know pre serve is just ridiculous and ridiculously awesome at the same time. Uh, the, the wrestler from the U.S. that basically pulled a two point point a two pointer in the last second to win oh, the gold wow. medal was fantastic. There's a lot of great events. Uh watch it, but what's the one thing you know you couldn't do? For me, it's the,
1: it. <laughs> the the marathon swim. Oh, the 1,500 meter. Yeah. Oh, no, way. yeah. no way.
0: Yeah. Oh, just swim six miles real quick. Yeah, I got that.
1: Is that what it is? Six miles? six
0: points like 6.2 miles or
2: something. It's ridiculous. Holy no, triathlon. I was talking to my roommate. Like, if I had state secrets, make me do a triathlon. I'll be like, I'll tell you. I don't want to do it. Like, who does that for fun? I don't <laughs> but is
0: know. There,
1: what would you be the most competitive in? What event? I mean, I had,
0: baseball is about the only thing that and now it would have to you be that, for yeah. a country that's, you know, that brings in a bunch of players from other parts of the, uh, from the U S basically like Israel's whole team. I knew several of the players that played in Southern California. So a lot of their players are from the U S, but it would be like, you know, I could play for, for Sudan or something or Egypt or
1: whoever. Interesting. Would you, what would you do?
2: Maybe try being a libero in volleyball, but that would be really, it'd be scary.
1: (laughs) I mean, you're passing like the serves, like you're doing a lot. Yeah. It's scary. Archery. Maybe.
2: No, they're intense. So, I if you intense. had to like,
1: there was another question. Like, if you had, if you had like three years to study, uh, like, to work on the sport, I think archery might be one that you could get I decent mean, at. Like, you're Gia never Davis gonna.
0: just did it. I almost made the limit. Yeah,
1: like you're never Corey. gonna like. I'm never gonna run like a four hundred. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna swim. Like, I'm never gonna grow enough to be like a basketball. Like, but like archery, if you tried it for three years, like you might get pretty good at it. Or I don't skeet know.
2: shooting. There was like a 58-year-old. So it's like you don't get too Oh, that would old. be one yeah. Too, so yeah. I think you could do that one as well. Anyway, we should probably talk Sorry. about USC football <laughs> again since the USC football show. Apologies, apologies.
0: Oh, apologies. There's uh, plenty of Trojans that won medals. So congratulations it, to all those yeah. Olympic athletes.
2: Yes, there we go. We got a question from Jeff on Facebook who said, with all the speed outside, will USC run more reverses and misdirection plays?
1: Maybe? I, yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean, it's... uh. If they were running
0: it right now in practice, we couldn't tell you. Right. So, um, but it's not necessarily like trick plays haven't really been Graham Harrell's thing so far. It's not like they've thrown like wide receiver passes and stuff. So, I don't think they're going to immediately just throw some things in The only time where they did some much more creative things than their normal offense was when they were just completely out of running backs and they were doing some different things with on Ross St. Brown, you know, popping in the ball in motion and, you know, bringing them into the backfield. But, it hasn't been really like a hey, let's run you know reverses stuff. I think they'll try to use this speed in a different way that fits within the offense. They
1: tried to pitch one to like Gary Bryant when you're like backed up in your own end zone. Remember that one? That was a kind of a weird one. Um, my Alexa's going off. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we got to turn that thing off, Keely. Keely, you should remind me to turn that thing off. <laughs>
2: okay, of course it's my fault. Yes, <laughs> uh, we got a question from Adler who said, outside of Keontae Ingram and Vi Malpea, which other running backs are standing out so far?
1: I've loved uh, Darwin Barlow. Um, I talked to Mike Jinx about him. He loves his first step. He's got a, a great burst for a 215, 220-pound back, probably 5'11", maybe he's 5'10", but he's a bigger back that can really kind of hit the hole quickly. Jinx seems to really like him. Just watching him out there, you're like, yeah, dude, he seems like a legit dude. Just like when we watched in the spring and you saw Keontae Ingram, you're like, yep, he can play. For, you know, the first time you see Barlow, I'm like, yeah, he looks like he can play, and he was uh, – uh, you know, coming in from TCU, now he got uh, he hurt his hamstring a little bit. He looked uh pretty limpy when he came off the field. It was like running, a, you know, he broke away on a run and then just had to pull up lame and uh get helped off the field. But he's someone that looked really impressive to me. I thought Keenan Christens looked, looked good, he's got a burst for sure. Like you see in some of that speed, I think he wants to get himself in the mix, and even like a Brandon Campbell. Like you know, he, he's probably forgotten uh, a lot of the guys, but the true freshman. Uh looks like he can play too. I mean they got a bunch of backs that look like they can play, but Jinx wants to pick two. So uh it'll be interesting to see how that goes.
0: Did you want to throw in Quincy Junti cuz you basically named all the scholarship, right? I did back, all the so. scholarship, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, but that that is the thing. We have seen, yeah. you know, we've seen signs from everyone that all these guys can play. Um how are they going to use them? That's going to be the big question mark. I mean, we've seen Keenan Kristen break through the first line of defense and just be gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, no one's catching up to him um are you going to use darwin barlow as your short yardage guy because he's short and stocky or you know how exactly do you going to play it out we'll see you know they did a lot of mixing and matching in the past couple of years and that's what jinx says he wants to get away from he wants to have you know the two guys and that would seem to be Keontae ingram and vi malapai but remember running backs get hurt every single year every running back gets hurt yeah. at least you know you know Sprain an ankle, get an ankle twisted up, just like Keontae Ingram did yesterday. You know, a, a defender came in, basically did a gator roll and rolled his ankle. It's going to happen. So your third, if you're going to do 1A, one A, one one B, then your third guy needs to be ready to go too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: Mike on Facebook wanted to know: with all the depth at defensive back, do you think that will help special teams?
0: Definitely, definitely. I, I think that linebackers and defensive backs are your best special teams players most of the time. Uh, now, you need that crazy guy that's that's a fullback or something the some of a Nuku that's chasing down and running through any wedge or whatever but as far as being able to chase down the field on a punt or a kickoff return and be able to break down in your stance and make a tackle those are the type of those are the positions you really want now on the other side as far as returns you want to have some you know some tight ends and stuff that can do stuff and they got a lot of tight ends this year too yeah. so i think the special teams not only from, I know Ryan is really high on, uh, on Sean Snyder and going to you know be able to improve the special teams, but I just think they have a lot more assets yes. on the special teams this year as well. You know, Potential players just because of the extended depth at some of the positions that they have.
1: Yeah, that full DB room is going to help. You're going to see some gunners. You're going to see some guys that are just like, whoa, where'd that guy? So maybe someone that was like third or fourth string makes a big name for himself, uh, making huge plays on special teams and finds their niche in the team there.
2: I mm-hmm. got a question on Facebook from Sergio who said, with all the negative talk about the offensive line, do they have the ability to turn it around and actually be a solid group?
1: Yeah. I mean, they have they have the ability. Um, I mean, there's enough starts among those guys. There's going to be some younger players mixed in. Uh, you have an offensive line coach that's going to actually be running the, the system that USC is running. Will they is the big question, but they're certainly capable of it.
0: Yeah. I think with the experience you have in four of those five positions – you feel like this group should be able to take a step forward. Will they? And especially for experienced guys that didn't have that, you know, didn't have a spring camp, didn't have a summer, didn't have a true fall camp last year to get better moving into three of those guys, moving into new positions, um, you know, from the, the previous starting lineup. So I think that, they should be taking a, a step forward. Now, how big is that step? Can they run the ball when they want to run the ball and when everyone knows they need to run the ball? That's going to be one step. The other step is, can you protect Keaton Slovis? Those are the two main caveats of, of determining how, big, how, much, how much they've improved from the previous years.
2: A Dog's Life in Portland wanted to know, do you think there might be any last-minute transfer portal additions before the season starts?
0: I mean, you never know, but...
1: Probably not at this yeah. point
2: also because enrolling is tricky in that yeah. sense so. yeah
1: this, sort of past that window we thought there might be a left tackle portal guy and there that I hasn't mean, happened yet but I guess
2: that was a lofty goal but yes yeah
0: that's like the the most coveted gold in the in the treasure map yes. or whatever <laughs> uh, of the transfer portal but uh, you know and USC you know they they put two first round picks at left tackle the last two years. I think they're they're going to have to do what they have with what they have right now. Um, so the the transfer portal, there could be some guys for some reason that, you know, fall camp of another place decide, I'm not getting the run I expected or getting to a, a tiff with their, their coach and decide to enter the portal. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. But like Healy said, the enrolling and the fact now, maybe somebody's on the quarter system something like that, but the enrolling becomes much more of an issue once you get into fall camp.
2: Mm-hmm. We got a question from Hip Hop Lover John, who said, "Anyone standing out at safety other than Isaiah Pulamau?"
1: So, I mean, Chase Williams, I think, has played uh, well back there. Um, you know, unfortunately, Michael Trigg posterized him, I guess, today. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I thought he's been playing well. Uh, but just the whole secondary as a group, I mean, it's just been—if they run the second team out there, you're not like, oh wow, this is a this is a mess. Like, no, like there's two, three deep at all those positions. You're seeing guys play well.
0: Yeah, Chase Williams was the guy I was going to say, but also Kalen Bullock, like I talked about a yeah. little bit earlier, just the versatility. And I think he's taking a big jump from the spring where he was playing cornerback at some point, he was playing nickel back, he was playing safety, so he's moving around a little bit. So I think he has got that versatility, but now he's been you know uh, practicing at one spot at that nickel back spot, and he, he's been you know taking a big step forward, getting some first team reps before uh, he had the the hip injury yesterday.
2: Tyree Tyree sorry Ryan said is USC a big enough brand to have their own TV network similar to Texas with the Longhorn Network and Notre Dame with NBC and could we see that in the future
1: so what we've learned in the past month or so is the big brands are what's important in college football and not the conference affiliation so Texas and Oklahoma leave the big 12 and it's a sinking ship for sure there's just you got some great team I mean Iowa State, you know, beat Oregon in the bowl game. Uh, Oklahoma State's been a top 10 team. You're, you know, Baylor, there's a lot of teams, TCU, they're not in big markets. They're not big draws. And they're just, they're not anything without the Oklahomas and the Texas of the world to sort of legitimize them. And I think for a team like USC, it's the only one in the Pac-12, the only brand in the Pac-12 that could stand on its own. And uh, there's, you know, I think Pete Thamel wrote about this with Yahoo!, that you know USC and Texas would have the ability to do some kind of independent thing, it would be interesting. I don't think it would be more of a cable network like a, a Longhorn network, but you could have your own affiliation with a CBS or an NBC or something. Maybe partnering with a Notre Dame, even partnering with a UCLA and having your you know your home games, uh, packaged. Even the streaming services like, um, you know, you talk to people that work in the streaming service industry like they want huge hits. They want big. They don't want. 15 games and you know some of them suck they want to have the biggest games possible and the only way to do that is if you had like a notre dame usc something like that would do have big draws so i think usc is capable of doing that and mike bone just kind of has to feel out what the pac-12 is going to do what's going to be best for for usc texas and oklahoma did what's best for those programs and they left the conference like in shambles uh usc would be a similar thing if they end up leaving the pac-12. Mm-hmm
2: we're already at the top of the hour. So if you want any last minute rapid fire questions, get them in right now, right yeah. now. Uh, we have a question from Andrew, who says, "When they go into two back sets, is it the split backs both r- running backs, or do they put are the split backs both running backs, or do they put a tight end back there too?" Well, they call it a two back set. Yeah, It's a tight
0: end, not a tight back. So that naturally says that it's two running backs. Um, but you know we can't discuss exactly where everyone's lined up. What USC has done in the past, there hasn't been a tight end in the actual backfield. We've seen a tight end be used as an H back, which is you know basically a step back from the offensive line, a step in front of where the quarterback and running back would stand, and usually right inside of the the tackle. So, but you know those are schematic things that we're not allowed to necessarily talk about. But when Clay Helton has said they have run some two back sets and done more of that. He's referring to two backs. Yeah,
2: you don't have to be uh, <laughs> a little sarcastic. Hey, but
1: we're not are allowed important. to talk like strategy and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. either. So. but semantics are important.
2: <laughs> Andrew also wanted to know if the San Jose State uh, game was on Saturday. Who would be the starting wide receivers?
0: Interestingly, Kyle Ford has been running almost exclusively with the second team. Yeah. Um, now I don't kind of behind
1: Drake London like his spot. Yeah, so a lot he, of times.
0: he may be playing that spot, and that's why uh, Drake London is obviously there. Taj Washington, I think, is definitely there. And then I think the third spot's kind of up in the air. Yeah. You know, one guy we don't ever talk about but has been producing and constantly, you know, catching balls and one-on-ones is John Jackson III. Yes. You know, he's making a ton of plays. And I don't know where exactly they see him slotting, what position. Uh, I don't know if they think, you know, again, and this goes back to the versatility they have with their weapons, Trigg, you know, or Epps in that, you know, big tight end slot, you know, slotted out, you know, there could be some different things they could do. So if they, are they going to use three true wide receivers? Are you going to use one of those big guys as a wide receiver? You know, there's some different things that they could do, but I think that Washington and London so far are the only two guys that are really kind of locked in spots. So far, now, yeah. that that could definitely change over the process. Out, I'm talking about Washington, London's his spot's locked
1: up. Yeah, before <laughs> before Gary Bryant got hurt, I think he might have been close to that too. But we'll see.
0: and again, I, I think it comes down to what do you want? Do you yeah. want two speed guys? Do you want yeah. two big guys? Do you want? You know, there could be mix and match.
1: There might be some rotation and stuff too. Hopefully, because,
0: there's some rotation. Yeah. They got enough weapons that they should be rotated. If
1: Joseph Manjak's on the bench the whole game, there's something wrong. You know, you got, they got to either get a lead and let him go out because he's well, going to make some plays. The
0: thing you know? is, cornerbacks don't. Come off the field, you know. If you yeah. have good cornerbacks, they don't ever come off the field. You know, if you, Chris Steele and Isaac Taylor Stewart, if they win the the spots, they're they're probably not coming off the field. Elijah Griffin last year, Iman Marshall, Adoree Jackson, those guys don't come off the field. But if you're a wide receiver and you can put somebody, okay, you put you know Kyle Ford out there and he runs a forty yard sprint. And you take him out; he gets a chance to catch his breath. Yeah. The cornerback doesn't. I don't yeah. see why you wouldn't rotate and force and you know push the you know push the boundaries with that as much as you can and try to t- uh, tire them out. That's the whole thing with the air raid and the speed uh, that the Chip Kelly had was partially we're going to tire out the defense. So rotating is part of that.
2: We got a question on Facebook from Demario who says, "Haven't heard too much about Liam Jimins."
0: He's just been pretty consistent. I yeah. haven't really noticed him positive or negative right now. Um, not really like mauling over people necessarily and not getting beat a bunch of you know oh, there goes that you know, that's the guy that got beat. Um so I usually that's a pretty good sign for a guard, you know, especially when they haven't had the full pads on. The full pads. And now you get a guard, and you pull out, and you get outside, and you hit somebody. Then it, you know, you notice it a it's little stand bit more. Out, yeah. um, but but usually when you don't notice the guards or the center much, that's usually probably a good thing. I think he's
1: getting the first team reps at right guard. I believe. Yep. right? Yeah. So.
2: Yep. We got a question from Coley that says USC is sell- selling alcohol for the first time since 2004. He said Keely was five years old. It's false. I was not. Uh, what was the preferred? What is the preferred spirit beverage and food combo on opening game day? Ryan. He wants to know from you.
1: Uh. F- Food and beverage. So, like, yes. if you're – what they used to do at the Coliseum, I mean, there was there was mostly beer, and there were you could get some wine uh, sometimes. But uh, they actually have pretty good food um, choices there now. There's food truck options and stuff. I would say, if you end up at the Coliseum, uh, go run by one of the food trucks, see what the best ones out there. Even the lobster roll one's really good. <laughs> um, I'd go with a food truck unless you're in, like, one of the sweet things and they have some cool restaurants and stuff inside in the new uh, – Tower, and then it's probably just going to be, you know, beer over. I don't think they're, you know, if they have some cool choices, they'll have some IPAs or something, you know, try those out. But they're probably going to be like $15 beers, you know, if you the Rams games are pretty, you, know, you go with the Coliseum at the Rams game stuff, they would have, oh, it's like a $20 Miller light. I like, oh great, you know. Um, so I'm curious to see what the prices and stuff are going to be like and what choices they have. But I go with the food trucks uh, first and start off there. <laughs>
2: Shotgun? Thoughts? It's the food. It's, it's, it's all the Ryan. It's they have Ryan. Randy's
1: Donuts, too. So get yeah, go get a <laughs> Randy's Donut
2: sometime. Ish uh, 48 actually brought up a topic that we said we were going to talk about, but haven't yet. We also have to get something else, too. He says, what do you guys think of the preseason coaches poll? USC was ranked number 14. <sighs>
1: Yeah, Oregon only being twelve, like that's not the Pac-12 was not well represented. The coaches poll means, I mean, the polls suck anyway. They're just kind (laughs) of stupid, and the coaches poll is like super stupid because it's a bunch of SIDs doing it, not the coaches doing it. Um, Some coaches do it. Yeah, some, but I would say, yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, the Pac-12 with the COVID stuff, you know, with like Stanford got some uh, votes because they went four and two last year, but they were not a four and two team. It's it's just weird. So I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into that one. But, you know, that's where USC usually you get ranked. It's like, oh, it's USC. They got a lot of talent. and eh, they got to be in the teens somewhere. You know, p- put them there.
0: Seems about right. Yeah. You know, you can lose three games and still be in the top 15 uh, at the end of the season. So, um, I'm not saying USC will, but that seems about uh, a fair ranking for yeah, them. Yeah, they
1: got like nine and three. They'll probably end up around there. Yeah,
0: 14 know? to 17, somewhere in that, yeah. that area.
2: We got a question from Josh on Facebook who says Any more news on Arizona State? Chris Hawkins is on leave. Chris Hawkins is on leave. What else have you heard now that the NCAA has said that they will speed up cases?
1: Yeah, so now they have three assistant coaches on leave. Apprentice uh, Gill, you know, two people that were at USC, Chris Hawkins. Um, you know, young, energetic coaches that didn't have a whole lot of experience. They're getting. Uh, a real run at being an assistant coach. They were great recruiters. I just have a hard time picturing that those guys were the mastermind of bringing a bunch of dudes in on COVID. I think they were acting uh, on behalf of Antonio Pierce and everyone above him. I to me, this is just going to be. These are the first couple dominoes. There's another shoe or two or three that will drop. And you know, I to think that you're going to get away with some junior assistant coaches being suspended with pay it's not floating with me the only question is how when is this going to happen and like the you know like i said they sped things up i believe it's because you have eligibility of incoming freshmen that's still up against they're trying to figure that out but the fact that there's this dossier of a lot of evidence um yeah there i don't know the question is going to be like will herm edwards be the head coach after like the month of September, like as enough stuff happened. And then every, like if it keeps going, it's just going to, I think it's going to blow up the entire program, maybe up to Ray Anderson, maybe up to Michael Crow, the president. I mean, it could go to the very top. So this is just something you got to pay attention to. And it's, it's a shame if you're a Sun Devils fan, because this is a, they should have been good this year. And I would have picked them uh, to do really well in the Pac-12 South, but this is a huge distraction. No matter what Herm Edwards says, it's like, Oh, they're fine. There's nothing going on. Um, I just think this is a big distraction. And the fact that you have a third of your coaching staff is now suspended. And I don't think it's stopping there. It's not like this is the end. This is, looks like it's just the beginning. I don't know. I think it's going to be a big problem for ASU.
0: Wait, What's the big deal? This is It's just an NCAA review. That's what Herm Edwards <laughs> told me. It's just a review. I'm just checking things out and marking some boxes. That's all right. right. Yeah. That's not, why we, not an investigation.
1: That's why a third of your coaching staff is now not talking coaching. talking about – a review, yeah. not, not not an investigation. A review.
0: No, uh, it's it's not looking good for ASU, and it, it's interesting how teams that aren't traditionally good that get good really quick, or you know expect high expectations. Suddenly, there's some NCA traction behind it.
1: Yeah, this, is, this is one, one of that's those things how it works too. in college. And me. other coaches were not appreciating. I mean, people were calling ASU out because this was like, hey, man, this is a global pandemic, and you're you're bringing it. In- and then, oh, by the way, you missed three games in a row. Like no one's done that in the Pac-12. Is there a correlation there? So I, it's like I would have loved to see Jaden Daniels and the wide receiver core. I, I would have loved to see Herm Edwards in this season, what they could have put together with this younger coaching staff and the energy and the recruiting. But I think this just blows it all up, you know. It's yeah. hard to picture still them gonna having.
2: gonna try, but it's not the same. Yeah, sure. it's
1: yeah, it's like this train. That's like the the wheels are starting to fall off. You're just, but you're still like barreling ahead. We're like we can still go real fast. And it's like well, we just lost the caboose. And uh, you know the the, the you know the, this this bolt's gone. And you're like oh we're still gonna hold it together. It's like trying to hold it together. But I, uh, I it just seems like it's gonna be one of those cartoons that everything just falls apart. And there's a guy like holding the steering wheel, sitting on the train tracks by himself. And uh, I don't know if it'll be Herm Edwards because if this if it all falls apart, he's gonna be one of the guys gone
2: analogies by Ryan look at that you like that
1: visual just go yeah. go watch a bugs bunny cartoon you'll sure you see that sometimes
2: <laughs> mr one is on YouTube said did they even read our comments here on YouTube yes we do uh, we got a question from Jeff on Facebook who said what do you think about Reggie not getting his Heisman back
1: yeah sorry and sorry what was it uh was it Jeff who said the comment on YouTube sorry uh, Jeff did. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, so for, we have our, our system that puts up the comments on the screen. For whatever reason, the YouTube one, it wasn't working today. So but we're I reading them. Yeah, but Keely's been doing a great job of reading them. I've been putting up the Facebook ones, and she's reading this.
2: Shadi's assistant over there. Yeah.
1: So you want to answer the question? Oh, I'm sorry. Now I forget what the question <laughs> Reggie
2: was. Reggie and his Heisman, Ryan.
1: Yeah, this, it's pretty funny when you see it, in like the, the lawyers and stuff going back and forth. The Heisman kind of punted to the NCAA. The NCAA came back and said, no, we're not going to restore anything. And they, you know. They have no power. You saw what happened with the Baylor thing today. I think enough pushback from legal teams. They had to settle with Todd McNair. They spent millions and millions of dollars on that lawsuit, and they had to pay him out. Um, so I, I kind of optimistic that that's going to happen. Uh, you know, his law, uh, The fact that Reggie cares now that their lawyers are getting involved. He's been reinstated. I think now it's going to put enough pressure on the right people that we'll see him get his Heisman back at some point. I don't. Know, maybe I'm being uh, naive, but I think it's going to happen. What do you think?
0: I mean, I thought the NCAA did what they probably should and say, no, we're not going backwards because then you just open up a whole can of worms. And then if Reggie wants to push it forward with the lawyers and stuff, then you figure out the answer. But the initial response is, no, we're not going back because now we're not dealing with SMU. We're not dealing with blah, 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 everything else. You know, it's been in in the – Yonder years in trying to figure out how everything, try to pieces pieces everything out going forward.
1: Yeah. If the, if the lawyers – I mean, the lawyers are going to be good. They'll probably give the NCAA an out where they can say, oh, here's what happened. Why? Okay, so we're going to reinstate it, and then everyone's happy. And, you know, it's it's stupid. We go to the practice field, and it says six Heisman's on the – like, USC should put it to seven. Like, he, we all saw it. He won the damn trophy. So put the damn – I don't
0: know why USC put it
1: is – They should, they, you know. I don't know why.
2: Maybe they're waiting if Reggie returns. So – who knows yeah. we'll see. Uh Mark Watkins has a great point. He says do tra- trains even have steering wheels, Ryan? <laughs>
1: uh that's a good point (laughs) i think so yeah whether it's just like lovers and stuff just like go forward yeah
2: in ryan's world they do
1: i Uh, think the cartoons they probably do do like (laughs) why do you have a story well yeah
2: randy had an interesting question on youtube he says uh with gary bryant Cortland ford jamar sacona parker lewis josh jackson jonah monheim tuli tuipolotu and kobe pepe set to contribute this year should we reevaluate the 2020 class
1: very interesting point um yeah, I mean, there's more contributors than we would have thought for sure uh, from that class. Uh, we'll see how they perform, but it's uh, it was you know just not ranked that high. But you you know if you got a couple of offensive line starters, you got, you know like a Tuli Tui Polotu's been a a stud. You know, Gary Bryant was like the headliner of the class. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it could be. You know, it's still not going to be. Some of the other classes, but it, it'll be you know better. Like they needed to scrap something together from it, and it's it's more than that from what we've seen. The guys,
0: the offensive line group is still not good.
1: Well, a couple uh, of guys. I know
0: that, that they can, but the part of that is because they were recruiting the years before was not very good on the offensive line. So someone has to take that spot, okay. Yeah. Um,
1: so I can be a tough on them.
0: It's yeah, the, that's pretty blunt. That 2020 <laughs> class, you, you get six offensive line, and be like, well, we need a big bodies. Because you didn't recruit well the last couple of years, you didn't get your top targets and you didn't get your top targets in 2020 either. Because if they did, some of those guys would be in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah. You want to see how many of those six, I mean, could even, you know, how many of the guys that are just going to like medically retire, like if four of them never like do anything and two like are okay players, like it's still, that's still not good, you know? But we'll see. We'll, you know, still, it's early to evaluate it, but there's at least some potential for contributions from that class that maybe we didn't anticipate
2: already we're gonna close this one out with a food analogy actually Ooh. we have to get to something else first but oh. uh we will go to this one first from Andrew who says if four years ago was the gumbo offense what food offense is this year's team ryan this is a question for you oh that's I've
1: never thought of it this way so what's like kind of a a, a kind of a Aerie? High, yeah what well, maybe like Airy, airy. I was yeah I think of like is a, it like a, a quinoa whipped? like something that's like like a kale salad like something very like no, sort of a, popular no, it's like whipped What? I'm just saying because thank you something
2: that has he's the Keeley translator
1: (laughs) oh I don't know but I I would if you're gonna go with the offense it's gotta be something that's like sort of popular maybe it could be like a cronut like it's something that's got a lot of popularity but maybe not as much substance something like that I would go with yeah that's just the way I was thinking about not like thinking of actual physically what it oh, would look it. like got it's it. more about like it's like one of those kind of fancy foods it's like oh it's an asian fusion restaurant that uh maybe it gets you know high like high ratings and stuff but the the food's not that great or it doesn't you know it <laughs> doesn't satisfy you as much uh they have the potential and it could be end up being like a you know get its michelin star this year but it really needs to produce uh there's a lot of bang i mean there's a lot of uh you know bling but not as much bang uh, as far as like yards and stuff and not points so they need to score a whole bunch of points they need some 50 point games shotgun a lot of 40 point games so
2: the Ryan analogies, yeah. So far, it's
0: it's been uh, it's been like you open up the you get in the airplane, you open up like oh that looks pretty good in the menu, and then you get the food and you're like that's yeah, not not the same thing. Oh yeah, But <laughs> like you watch a air, commercial for it and it's not the same as when you what order. It has been so far, and because it's in the air, air raid. Okay, I like huh. the airplane thing. Yeah, okay. it's like that.
1: Oh, that double cheeseburger looks awesome on the commercial, and you go to Carl's Junior like that's not that good. It's like small <laughs> and kind of like what what happened. As uh, promised, that's that.
2: sorry, Ryan, to cut you off. No. we got to talk about basketball. Shotgun, USC picked up a five-star commit. What do USC fans need to know?
0: Johnny Wright, uh, you know, continuing the pipeline of very talented big men that USC has been able to recruit. Continuing the pipeline with Compton Magic, which is the AAU team, uh, the EYBL team that you know produced the Mobley brothers, produced Anika Kongwu, that Eric Mobley, the assistant coach, was coaching on at one point. So continuing that pipeline is really good. Also, he's going to Sierra Canyon this year, which is a school where it has produced a number of talented players. Obviously, um, even more importantly, like Marvin Bagley, Zaire Williams, um, these guys that USC's been in the mix for. But haven't been able to, you know, get over the hump to close. Um, and, and they got, you know, one of the top point guards in the in the nation right now, top ten, top fifteen guy that's going, that's committed to UCLA as well. So getting in there, that's never a bad thing. You know, just getting your foot in the door, kind of with like, hey, we finally got one of the commits here, uh, and see if that kind of spawns anything there. But the big thing for USC is another quality big man. Now, he's going to come in, and he's not going to be Evan Mobley. Let's calm that down before anyone tries to think that. He's not going to be Evan Mobley. He's probably not going to be Nyeka Kongu. He's going to be similar to Nyeka Kongu as far as he's going to be a, a junkyard dog type of player. He's going to get a ton of rebounds. He's going to play some defense for you where is he going to fit on the offensive side? I think that's something that may come in year 2 or year 3 if he stays that long, um, where, you know, his game just continues to develop and do some different things. But that's one of the most interesting things and I've got a future impact story coming out. I talk with Brendan Jenkins. Jenkins the 24/7 National uh, recruiting analyst about, you know, where what does this say about USC and what USC's recruiting efforts is and he told me that one of the things he's hearing on the recruiting trail is that big men realize that USC runs their offense through their bigs, and that is very attractive to a lot of big men around the, the nation. So that's one of the reasons that USC is staying in the mix with some of the big-name big men around the country. I mean, Chet Holmgren who was the number one player last year. USC was one of his you know, top five, top seven teams as well. So they're getting their foot in the door with a lot of these teams and what they've done both with Nyeka Kongwu, who's a guy that they didn't necessarily like he's going to touch the ball every possession, but the offense, you know, he helped spawn the offense and do some different things. Evan Mobley obviously was touching the ball every possession. You can he's can pass and do that. Isaiah Mobley's going to do the same thing this year. He's going to be the center, the focus of the offense. They're going to run it through him, and they got some other guards around him, adding Boogie Ellis and some other pieces. The freshmen they're bringing in that are really talented as well. So it could be a really fun team to watch. It won't be the same as having Evan Mobley because of what he does in the defensive end how well he can pass and do all the other things. But I think it's going to be a really intriguing team as well. And then when they add Kajani Wright next year, after they probably lose Isaiah Mobley to the draft next year, I think he steps in and becomes a big-body player for them that can, you know, can defend and rebound. And if you get some offense from him, because he's got a nice-looking shot as well, nice-looking jumper, great form, shoots free throws really well. Still going to take a little bit of time to develop at the college level, but I think he's a guy that's only going to continue to progress because you know he had a long time off during COVID. And during his announcement today uh, that he did on Instagram Live, he mentioned that you know one of his family members I think had COVID, so that made his break even longer. He couldn't you know he couldn't participate in some of the things that were happening this summer initially. So, but a big pickup for USC, first one in the 2022 class. And anytime you get a guy that's a five star that I think is enlisted in, in ranked number eight right now for uh, in 24/7 Sports rankings, that's a big time pickup. Yeah, a like the top power
1: forward, right? I top think power
0: forward yeah. in the nation right now, and he's a guy that is more than likely going to college. He's not a guy that's probably going to go to the overtime elite or any of those, uh, the G league or any of those. I think he's a guy that ends up at college. So big pickup for
1: USC.
2: Mm-hmm. righty, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we wrap up this show?
1: Uh, good stuff. Make sure you check out all the contents going up at so uscfootball.com. We talk every single freshman that, that, you know, the newcomer that talked, uh, yesterday, we have videos up full videos of all of it. Um, see so you're right, Make sure you check that one out. Just, he's so good on camera. <laughs> Obviously he's an actor and, uh, the fun maybe the funniest thing he said to me. Like I asked him if they, the guys were teasing him because you know he comes in. He's he's in a big movie. All this, you know, his teammates watch Space Jam too, and he's like, oh, he's in it, and they just gave him crap about being a bad basketball player, <laughs> and he said. You know, we filmed that two years ago. I got a lot better since then. So apparently he's worked on his hoops game because he was in that movie. But great kid. Uh, He's going to be someone that you're going to watch at USC for years to come. Mm
0: -hmm. Since Ryan's promoting one of his stories, I'll promote (laughs) one of mine. Uh, I wrote about Taj Washington yesterday. so got a chance to talk to him. Um, I think he's going to be a key element for this offense this season and talked about the different things he brings. And what I thought found was interesting is he said, yeah, I bring speed. Everyone kind of sees that. He said, but I also bring a veteran mentality. Now, he's a third-year freshman, so he has some experience. He played as a freshman in four games and was able to redshirt his true freshman year. And then last year, the COVID year, like I said, he was you know led the nation in, in receiving yards for a freshman. So I think he's going to be a big time contributor. So check out what he had to say about what he thinks he brings, and calling USC a wide receivers paradise. Ooh, Ooh a wide there you receivers go. paradise. Well, check
2: out all the videos we have down there. I'm trying to click be trendy and say click right there. Uh, <laughs> we have all of our our videos that we talked to the newcomers up and ready for you guys to. Win watch. Uh, so thanks so much for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe and do the full outro here. Yeah. Uh, but that's Ryan, that's shotgun. I'm Kelly. We'll see y'all next time.